navigating the datascape with Chris Presley and special guests. Hi, and welcome to the Datascape podcast. In today's episode, I'm joined by Sandy Guy. Sandy's the project manager for Google Cloud Bigtable over at Google. Hey, Sandy, welcome to the podcast. Hey, thank you so much for having me. Welcome. How are you doing today? I'm good. You know, standard day at the Google office. Excellent, excellent. Sandy, let's just dive right in here. Could you give me a brief overview of your career today? Yeah, so my academic background is actually not in computer science. It's more in math and analytics, but I've been a product manager for most of my career, kind of jumping between e-commerce and fintech and now here in cloud. So actually, this is my first database. I'm kind of excited to be part of the the brave new world that is cloud and uh, databases in general. Sandy, why don't we just start at the very beginning? Could you, in your own words, describe what Google Cloud Bigtable really is? Sure. I don't know if this is my own words or if I'm actually going to butcher what my PMM would tell me to write, say. But yeah, Bigtable is a large-scale NoSQL database specifically for workloads where performance is key. So we tend to see a lot of workloads where low latency random data access, so single digit millisecond point reads, or high throughput either on the read or write side are common. So sort of technical answer to what Cloud Bigtable is, but NoSQL operational database. <laughs> okay. And so Bigtable, does it, is it a competing technology to say something like a Cassandra? Yeah, definitely. We see a lot of customers come from Cassandra HBase, other key value or wide column stores, which I guess guess we can talk about it more in detail, because I actually didn't know what wide column meant coming into this as well. Fair enough. Why don't you tell me the history of Bigtable? Where, where did it come from and what problem did it solve? So Bigtable was built starting in 2004, I believe, at inside of Google to solve some of Google's problems in the database space. So Bigtable was built to index the web. It was built to handle super high scale and deliver great performance at any scale. And I think in 2015, we decided to externalize it as part of Google Cloud and we launched Cloud Bigtable. But for those of you who kind of want to go down the rabbit hole, uh, the Bigtable paper is published in, I think in 2006. And as far as I know, was a big part of the NoSQL movement in general. Okay. And can you share what attracted you to the Cloud Bigtable project? I was really interested in cloud. I I was coming from startups and where you talk so much about disruption. I know that that's a too trendy, overused word, but that's something that always really excited me. You know, being part of a big change in an industry and one of the amazing things about cloud is that I think it's fundamentally going to change how the technology industry, the one that, you know, I've called my uh, work home works. And so I think I was very excited to be a part of cloud and that big fundamental shift, especially since it's happening, you know, it's not this hypothetical, maybe this will change in this way. Cloud is happening. And so it's very cool to be a part of. And as for Bigtable specifically, I think I was excited. I was interested in the database space, and it's, it's pretty fascinating. There's so much history and culture 
And it's it's very complicated. And I liked Big Table specifically because it felt like something special. It's really cool to work on a Google proprietary product that solved a hard problem for Google internally and now for customers. And so I thought, yeah, it was just the right mix of a few different things. So talking about some of the disruption around Bigtable, you mentioned that you guys are coming up against uh, Cassandra and some of the other key value pair offerings in the market. What sets Google Cloud Bigtable apart from its competitors? So as someone new to the databases space, I've really come to appreciate the whole NoSQL space. I think that all of these technologies are very cool and have done a great job of solving hard and interesting problems. I think Bigtable specifically to me stands out for A, as a managed product. So running a database at scale is really hard work. And, you know, for Bigtable customers, that means that, you know, our Google SREs are getting paged instead of them when, you know, things happen. And people are able to leverage the extensive experience that Google has in running databases at that scale. But I also think that we think about management pretty broadly in that, you know, it's not just about not having to worry about the infrastructure and software updates and all of these different things. We're thinking as a team pretty critically about how to make all parts of management easier. So last year, for example, we launched something called Key Visualizer, which is a heat map of your data access patterns. And this helps customers with things like schema design. So So some of it's management and some of it is all these value add tools that we're thinking about on how even the parts that customers own can be better, easier, whatever. So I think it's a database where because it's managed, people are thinking about user experience a lot. And then there are, you know, scale and performance questions. So Bigtable scales linearly. So generally we measure throughput in terms of QPS queries per second. And we say as a rough guideline, you know, using all best practices and benchmark tests, et cetera, a customer can expect about 10,000 QPS, that's either reads or writes per node. And that's true whether you have one node, 300 nodes, 1,000 nodes, I could go on. (laughs) And so it's pretty incredible at the way it, it just scales up. We see customers use Bigtable again for for low latency access. So that is reading a single row very quickly. Yeah, I'm trying to think if there are any other big things that stand out. Yeah, I don't know. I I like the NoSQL space in general. I'm not going to, yeah. Well, so let me ask you, let me ask you this. Something that we've been talking about on the Datascape for a couple of years now is the ever-changing role of the database administrator. And I know you're a little bit newer onto the database yeah. scene. So I don't expect you to, you know, do a direct translation between your, you know, hardcore old school production DBA. But when you're seeing customers implement Cloud Big Table, what are the some of the duties that the technical staff typically have to interact with the product from the customer. So so why I'm asking is obviously there's no backup restores and it is a proprietary system. So a lot of your typical, you know, core core tasks are gone, but that's still, you still need to be a technical knowledgeable person when it comes to systems and data. So I'm just wondering where the evolving database administrator or data specialist fits in and interacting with the product. Do you have any ideas? Yeah. I mean, I think that So Bigtable customers that are managing 
big table are thinking about best practices for their companies. One of the things I love about Bigtable is that it's a very it's a very flexible database. You can make a lot of choices that come with trade-offs. And, you know, as Google Cloud, we've we've tried to be to support all of those different choices on Bigtable. And but customers are going to develop their own philosophies on how to use Bigtable and then implement them. So for example, we just launched a replication for Cloud Bigtable, and a big decision that a customer is going to have to make is, do we replicate? And then how do we configure a replication? What regions do we want to be in? What policies do we set on how we use replication, right? Because Bigtable replication is eventually consistent, and so you can make choices that either give you uh, read after write consistency or give you super high availability where you're routing to both clusters, but then tolerate some amount of staleness in the data. And I, I think that's true in general about Google Cloud. I think we we want to give customers lots of options in terms of how they can run their workload. And I think there's an awesome opportunity as a database administrator or someone implementing in the cloud to have opinions on you know, how to use these tools and find the right place for your company. So let's talk about some of the use cases uh, for Cloud Bigtable. Could you pick one that kind of stands out in mind where uh, a customer, and obviously you're not sharing pertinent details like their name and, and all, you know, and no oh. secret sauce, but can you walk us through some a use case that a customer is, is using them, what it's for? Yeah, so one of the use cases we see a lot is a personalization or really any type of user data analytics where a customer is ingesting a lot of data, let's say clickstream data or other interactions that they're having with a user. And that data, Bigtable stores that data in a way where similar kinds of data are together. So keys are sorted lexicographically and that makes it super easy to Query either a specific row or a set of contiguous rows that all contain related data. And so you have this super high ingest where Bigtable's throughput comes into play. And then you're trying to get value out of that data either through, you know, like any type of user analytics. So we see personalization on one side, anti-fraud uh, work on the other, where now you have this big database where with detailed user data and you make queries about what a specific user say is doing so that you can serve them a personalized recommendation or add or you know trigger some alerting if something looks off and so you know there's this implied business logic there i guess so so you're ingesting all of this data and then there's some secret sauce business logic that our customers have in terms of making value out of that data and because bigtable is so fast that secret sauce can live in the serving path. So you can query directly from Bigtable when you see a customer come visit your site, do some analysis on the fly, and then serve a recommendation right then. We also see customers take a, a batch mode to that as well. So again, because the read throughput on Bigtable is also very good, you can do some offline analytics on that you know, very rich customer data, produce recommendations, and then serve them very quickly out of Bigtable. So it's an operational database, but we tend to see it in these very large volume use cases, especially when 
the analytics is something I call entity analytics. So in the moment when you're reading, you're thinking about what a specific user or what a specific device in a time series use case is doing. Yeah. Now, when the analytics are being, the analysis is being performed on this data, does it, does the data tend to stay in Bigtable for the analysis or are customers often piping it to another system, doing some analysis and then bringing it back? Yeah, so we see both. Again, sometimes that analysis is very quick on the client side. And so, yeah, the data is in Bigtable and then they're reading a little bit, performing some basic analysis in the serving path and then, you know, get providing a recommendation. In the batch use case, you know, we typically, we see a lot of interaction with, da- with cloud data flow where customers will read the data from Bigtable as a source in data flow, you know, run a ETL job, do some transformation, and then um, sometimes actually dump back into Bigtable for serving. Okay. Okay. And are you seeing, so you've described both a batch use case as well as uh, I think a, a streaming use case or an inline use case. I'm, I'm not sure it's really the same. Is there a ratio that you're seeing out there? Like, is it more batch or a little bit more stream and inline? I don't know if I can, I don't actually know off the top of my head. Yeah. yeah. And that's okay. I was just, just curious. And then how are people interacting with with the data? Are they tending to use programming languages and APIs or something else? And if it's the former, you know, can you describe the most, probably the most common language and methods? So yeah, we tend to see people use APIs. We have client libraries in quite a few languages. I'm not going to quote the number right here, so I don't make a mistake. But most of our interaction comes from Java. So Bigtable has an HBase compatible API for customers coming from that ecosystem. So we'll see some customers using the HBase client library. And we also have a Java client library without the HBase abstraction. Um, that's in beta. We see a lot of Go. But yeah, I think we have client libraries in Node.js, in Python, C++, C Sharp, Ruby, PHP. I'm hoping I didn't forget one. <laughs> That's okay. I'm sure there. I'm sure there's plenty. Yeah. I really wanted to just kind of cover the the main ones. So for those, yeah. That, so, but we're looking for broad language support. Okay. Okay. Good. So when a customer, you know, has chosen this as the part of their architecture and their their planning implementations, are there any kind of common themes or kind of common gotchas with the implementations that you can speak to? Yeah, I guess one. One can be schema design. I think that, so because Bigtable stores keys lexicographically, uh, you do want to think about, you are balancing two things. On the one hand, you don't want to create hotspots and store keys that are accessed very frequently and in high volumes together. But at the same time, you want the schema you create to make sense so that you can perform uh, what we call range scans. I think they are, I don't know, other systems have other names for them, but you want to be able to read contiguous rows uh, super easily. And so customers, there's some decisions you want to make in schema design that most customers work through. But again, we have a lot of tooling to help people try things out and observe when their schema is or isn't working. And I think that for customers who've worked in similar systems, especially in you know key value databases, Cassandra, HBase, 
I would say that a lot of the lessons you've learned from schema design there are probably applicable in big table too. So, so schema design is one. I think uh, provisioning might be another. So in big table, we offer this concept of nodes, which is, you know, an abstraction on top of compute and RAM. And so customers will need to, based on their workload, uh, provision more or less nodes. I mean, we offer some guidelines on how to think about provisioning, but, you know, no one's real use case is the benchmark. And so we generally recommend that uh, customers try a few things and iterate from there on, yeah. But, but so provisioning can sometimes be an early challenge too as you're working through the guidelines. I'm trying to think about anything else. I don't know. I actually, I feel, I feel very blessed as a product manager to be able to say this, but I think we've seen things go very smoothly for a lot of customers. I would also actually... I might say that there is a little bit of a shift as people go from a managed service or from a self-managed service to a managed service. And, you know, Bigtable is always trying to do better here and, and so are other managed services. But there's a little bit of a culture shift in terms of, you know, like defining what you're responsible for versus what Google Bigtable, Cloud Bigtable is responsible for. And... You know, there are some things that customers can't control because we're, we're optimizing it on our side. And so sometimes that's, that takes a second for customers to get used to too. But I really do think that at the end of kind of working through and understanding what your levers are as a customer, I hope that life is better because, you know, we give you the ones where you can make good choices. We take ownership over the things that we can optimize internally. Okay. Okay. Let, let's go back a little bit to the tooling points you made. You mentioned that there's tooling so that uh, to, to help customers understand their choices and uh, specifically around designs. Could you drop, uh, just mention a few names of the tools just for the audience? Yeah. So my favorite one is, I don't play favorites, but my favorite one is called Key Visualizer. So that's available in Stackdriver for users of Cloud Bigtable. And again, it allows you to visualize access patterns across your key space. So um, it's a very pretty colorful map. And you'll see if, for example, a particular key is hotspotting or give you more visibility into what is happening on like a row by row uh, level. It'll also tell you things like when you have particularly large rows, there's a, there's a lot of rich analytics there on how you can optimize your schema. I would also say that you know, we provide import-export templates via Dataflow for customers looking to get data in and out of Bigtable, whether that's for a migration or things like you know, keeping exports for a long time so that customers can do long-term auditing and compliance and stuff like that. There are some convenience tools there. There's a lot of monitoring tooling available. We expose metrics and allow you to create alerts based on, based on Stackdriver. So things that customers are watching pretty deeply are CPU utilization, both average and hottest node. Yeah, and you can programmatically scale based on that as well. Those are some good ones. I'm sure there's more. <laughs> I'm sure there is too, but yeah. no, that's a, that's a great start. Let me ask a, a quick schema question. Obviously, if you're a, an old school relational data person and you're, you're moving into the key value pair world, it's a very different idea. You know, concepts like being able to lose data 
not be consistent or be eventually consistent. And then, you know, how to properly design your key value pairing or your indexing, you know, those are big shifts. Are there any, you know, is there a, a, a place, a blog, a book, um, an anything that, that you would recommend any IT professional who wants to just kind of wrap their head around this a little bit more? What's a good resource or two for them? Ooh, the internet? Google. Google. <laughs> <laughs> Anywhere, well, like, um, is, is it Google blog? Do, do they share a lot of this on Google blog? Or <laughs> I'm sorry, I don't have a better answer there. I feel like I've picked things up very ad hoc. I think the, you know, the O'Reilly books are tend to be very good on either particular databases or certain mindsets. I can't think of a, because you're asking not just about big tables specifically, but about, you know, the approach to the non-relational world for someone coming from. Yeah, like the, the schema design specifically, yeah, if, if possible. Oh, yeah. So on schema design, big table has a lot of docs on schema design with samples for different use cases. And, you know, I'm happy to talk about tips here as well. But yeah, so the big table docs are a good place to start if you're looking at big tables specifically. And I would imagine that a lot of those learnings are more broadly applicable as well. And again, I, I think that there's nothing better than learning by doing. So we offer code labs and we offer code labs and again, all of this tooling to help you iterate. So I would say, you know, reading is great, but try something, see if it works. If it doesn't, we'll help you iterate. Yeah. Yeah. No, that's, that's, that is the datascape uh, credo. It's just get out there and start trying, trying. Awesome. Yeah. That is, that is what we tell uh, any, every guest uh, and and myself, uh, that is our, 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 our recommendation. So as you guys work on new features and continue to improve it, obviously some of that learning comes from just observing how things yeah. are going, but how do, you, how do you get ideas for features or input? How, how, how do you get that from the field? Yeah, I think it comes in two ways. The first is that customers will just ask me directly for them, mm-hmm. and I spend a lot of time talking to customers and really value that qualitative feedback. Uh, So I tend to do a lot of customer interviews or interviews of database users more broadly and ask a lot of questions, go to conferences, et cetera. Uh, So I spend a lot of qualitative time in, in front of customers. We'll do surveys on specific questions sometimes as well. The second way is, you know, we're thinking strategically as product managers about, you know, where the market is going, you know, how customers are using our products, how we want them to be using our products. What we've seen, you know, Bigtable specifically has seen 15 years of internal use. So there have been a lot of lessons there as well. And so sometimes the feature will be what a customer asks for. And sometimes the feedback will be more subtle or nuanced or it'll be about pain points and it's our job to translate that into specific features that can deliver value. You know, and and actually that's not just coming from product management. Our engineering team is fantastic. They've been database users and creators for, in some of them, most of their careers. And so even the engineering team is thinking very creatively over, you know, not just what our databases are now, but what the future of databases should be. 
and you know, Bigtable, Spanner, a lot of the Google proprietary databases came out of those conversations. Yeah. Okay. Now, do you have any tips for the person who has a feedback on the product, who's using the product, but they aren't necessarily in a, you know, in a company driving enough consumption to get anyone's attention, but they probably have a, some great ideas or some great experience. What do you recommend for that person if they want to get something, you know, kind of in your direction? Yeah, I mean, I we get feedback from all kinds of places. Like uh, the big table team pretty routinely monitors stack overflow. There's a GCP Slack where customers can sign up and uh, subscribe to certain channels. I think um, conferences are pretty good. Like there are a lot of people at GCP next, but there's generally GCP coverage at, you know, most data (laughs) related conferences, Strata, I'm trying to think of what else. Probably the GDG user groups that are uh, very prevalent these days. Oh, yeah. Yeah, there are lots of user groups. I'm on Twitter and LinkedIn. Please feel free to reach out. Although don't judge how many, like, pizza coupons I've posted on Twitter. Fair enough. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, Yeah, so those are all great options. And, folks, I'll put the Google Slack in the show notes. So you can join the Google Slack and uh, start sharing now. And as you, as you hear, you know, they are looking to see what people are talking about. And, you know, the Google Next conference, I, I, my first year was this year, was an excellent conference. If you can get there, you know, it's, it's, it's very good. And another reason to just when you're at conferences, just throw your hand out and introduce yourself with a smile. You never know when a Google product manager is uh, on the other end and, you know, interested in having chat with you. So it's a great part about conferences. Sandy, you talked about some of, you know, we've talked about some of the stuff that's coming and you mentioned replication. I'm really curious to talk about replication a little bit, at least whatever parts you can. So replication is new to Bigtable. Creating replication is not easy. So there must have been a pretty good reason to do it. What, why did replication come to Bigtable? Yeah, I think we see three big reasons why customers have wanted replication. The first is uh, availability. And so I think, you know, you mentioned kind of like, how do we think about availability and durability and in this non-relational world? And replication is a big part of that. So by having a presence in two different availability zones or regions, customers who use replication are Uh, protecting themselves against a data center outage, you know, and I hope they don't happen very much, right, or ever, but replication is a way of protecting yourself and of increasing the availability of your instance. We also see uh, replication being used day-to-day for customers that are looking to isolate workloads. So, for example, you know, I mentioned that some customers are both doing serving and batch out a batch uh, analytics in the in their same big table instance, and so they might have one cluster that's doing serving, whereas batch reads they might isolate into a second cluster. That way, they can hammer it without ever affecting their serving traffic. The last use case that I've seen is about uh, latency in local regions. So a lot of our customers are serving a global user base and the network latency you pay when a customer is in Asia but your data center is in the US is sometimes too high. 
And so they use replication to have their data closer to users or the consumer or whatever that is. It can also be an ad tech exchange, anything that, that needs to be close to the data and reduce the network latency for both writes and reads. And so making it easy to manage having data close to your users is another reason to use replication. Okay. And, and the replication implementation, is it uh, multi-master style or is it single master style? So at Google, we use the word multi-primary, which I like a lot. And so, yes, it's multi-primary replication. So okay. you can write to every single cluster of Cloud Bigtable. Really, I actually think of, and this is, I think, unique to Bigtable. It's not necessarily what, you know, replication looks like in every database. I would think of each, you know, cluster in a region as the full Bigtable service. It can do everything. It can read, it can write. And uh, replication is just working behind the scenes to transfer your data so that data is available everywhere else. And I think the way Bigtable replication works, you know, exposes something about why we choose NoSQL and why we choose even eventually consistent replication which is that, you know, if you're thinking about write availability, eventually consistent replication means that writes to the instance will happen when bad things, when things go wrong, right? Mm -hmm. And then, you know, what'll break when things go wrong is consistency, that um, you might have one replica that is behind because something bad happened. But if you really care about those writes going through, that's a good reason to use a system like Bigtable and going through quickly, right? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Okay. Given the size uh, potential of, of data that, that a customer may be storing in Bigtable, and then if they're using replication, how is the, I guess, consistency measured and monitored? Meaning, you know, it's probably really hard. Someone's got, it's probably so much data, it's probably really hard to figure out if everything's going right. If I'm a new customer to this space mm -hmm. and I'm not trusting any, of the technology, how can I reassure myself that the data is eventually consistent and all properly written more or less and, you know, some sort of acceptable lag behind the writes and reads? Yeah. So we have monitoring around both the replication delay and replication latency. Replication delay, how far behind is it? Is that public monitoring, public facing monitoring, or is it just internal? No. So it's stack driver. So if you set up a Bigtable instance, you'd see monitoring for your own instance. So we, we publish both replication delay and latency into, into Stackdriver, so you can monitor that. And we also have in our client libraries and APIs ways for you to check consistency up to a certain point. So you can, you know, let's say you had, you want to make sure that all of your yesterday's writes have propagated before you run batch analytics for that day. So you can, you can at a certain time say, you know, check consistency or, or wait for replication and it'll generate a token and then return a success when all of the writes have propagated. Okay. So there are a couple ways to think about this. You have to be able to tolerate staleness. And so that means that for mission critical applications, you know, where you're logging what's happening to say a, someone's bank account, you don't want staleness, right? Yeah. You can't tolerate that. And so there are a lot of applications where you don't want an eventually consistent system. The reasons you use eventual consistent 
consistency are when maybe individual data points, it's okay if they're a little delayed. So an example, and this is, you know, the other extreme, but let's say I'm storing clickstream data in Bigtable about what a user is doing. If I miss their last five seconds of activity and I make an ad recommendation without that, the cost was a lot less, right? So that's an example of an application that can very much tolerate stale data. And then there are advantages you get to eventual consistency. So because you can write to a single cluster instead of having to verify that writes have been act by a, a quorum or a majority of the replicas, you can write very fast. And it also is... There are also trade-offs you can make that are somewhat philosophical, right? So I'm, again, new to databases, so I'm not going to wax poetic about CAF theorem, but an AP system will choose availability over consistency and versus a you know, CP system will always choose consistency over availability. And that's a philosophical choice that companies will make about when everything goes wrong, which one are you willing to sacrifice? Okay. And and then when I think eventually consistent, I not only, you know, think to the data not being complete, I often think of some data loss somewhere out there. Is that a concern? Because I know it is for our listeners. Like a few years ago when I was talking about and implementing Hadoop for a large customer in the energy space, as soon as I told them that we couldn't back it up and here's how we engineer around it, that was a non-starter. They just could not get to the no backup. They, they felt they had to have a backup no matter what. So in terms of data loss, obviously I'm not backing up. Can you speak to the you know possibilities of data loss and, and that sort of thing? Yeah. So eventually consistent consistent should mean that it's eventually consistent, right? That if you have a data center that goes offline for a little bit, when it comes back on, the data replicates, and eventually the two clusters become consistent. What that means is that for a period of time, a certain amount of data that hasn't replicated yet is not available. But for the most part, we consider Bigtable to be durable, right? Even within a single zone Um, There are multiple copies of your data being stored. That's not to say that if a meteor comes down and, you know, wipes a data center out of existence, if it never comes back online, that data will never replicate. So there are possibilities, but for the most part, we're talking about availability and not durability. Okay, makes sense. And then I know we kind of, we've been talking about features and stuff, but one thing that we didn't didn't cover that I, I want to touch on really quickly before we move on is security. Do you hear a lot of concerns from your customers potentially implementing it about security? And what do you say, if you do, what do you say to kind of make them feel better about security on the cloud? Yeah, I haven't heard it, of, about it as much from current big table customers. I think that Google is one of the best at security, right? We have large teams dedicated to it. The products you are seeing have been used inside of Google and have a lot of security features built internally, right? Everything's encrypted at rest, everything's encrypted at transit. There are some customer-managed security features that people are interested in, and Bigtable is working on a lot of them. So things like audit logging we have in beta, 
We have implemented so you can control access. There are a lot of customer managed security features that we add, but I think Google does a great job with security internally. Okay. Okay. Sounds good. Last question before we go into the lightning round. So what does big table look like one, two years from now? What, what does the big table of the future look like to the customer? Yeah, I think there's a lot of emphasis on actually security features so that customers can feel more and more comfortable in storing their, their data in Bigtable, but also managing their own, their business's security, right? I think the end state of Bigtable is where you feel better about putting your data in the cloud and not worried about putting your data in the cloud, right? Mm-hmm. To the extent that that's not already the case. So a lot of security features on the horizon. We are investing more and more into disaster recovery. So replication is one example. But you know we care very deeply about reliability and the durability of your data. And that's always going to be a place of investment. There are always investments in performance. And so hoping we have some big features in the pipeline there. And then finally, it's about customer experience, right? Again, the benefit of having a managed service where a company like Google is thinking about things is is we're investing in developer experience and making it easier to use, easier to onboard, so that you only have to worry about the application on top of the table. Right. So lots of usability features. Yeah. Okay. Good, good. Well, I'm excited to see it. And no doubt, there'll be some exciting announcements at uh, Google Next 2020. And looking Yeah, please come. (laughs) I'll be there. So now we go into what I call the lightning round. And that's where I ask you a series of rapid fire questions. And you're just going to answer as quickly as you can. Um, They're just kind of fun. First thing that comes to mind about your work style or, you know, books that you uh, recommend and that sort of thing. It's a it's an audience favorite. Are you uh, are you up for it? Sure. Yeah. Right. Great. Great. All right. So what project are you most proud of? Big table project? <laughs> no, project? any any IT project in, from your career or side side hustle if you have one. I'm pretty excited about replication. Fair <laughs> I'm going to call it that. <laughs> Fair hey, replication's hard. If, if you don't yeah. think, uh, if anyone who doesn't think so, I encourage you, write, write a multi, try writing a multi-primary, you know, replication sync. But okay, I know we've talked about replication a lot, but I think... I, I'm really excited about what we put out there. Like with multi-primary replication, you can add a region at any time. You can take away a region at any time. You can provision each cluster separately. Like Bigtable replication is incredibly flexible and the team put a lot of work into it. I'm incredibly proud. Yeah, that's excellent. Could you name a book that has had a significant impact on your career? Ooh. I think actually this the Steve Jobs biography by Walter Isaacson. Not because I learned, you know, it's not like a business school book or whatever that you learn a lot about how you're going to work. But I think becoming interested in certain things helped me a lot in my career. And that was that book. Yeah. Okay. That book makes you interested. Okay. Good, good recommendation. There'll be a link in the show notes. Yeah. Do you like or prefer a standing or sitting desk? A sitting desk, but I'm almost never at my desk. Okay, good answer. Mac, PC, or Chromebook for your work machine? I currently use a Mac, but I'm excited about those Chromebooks. Maybe one day I'll get my hands on it. You know what? There, I had one, uh, a loaner for a few months to play with. They are, they are a lot of fun. Can't replace my main rig, but they're great travel machines. iPhone or Android, and I don't know 
Ooh, I use both actually. <laughs> I have two phones. I'm one of those people. Mm -hmm. A lot of people do. <laughs> uh, expensive app ecosystem when you do that, but I, I completely understand. What is the best tool or app that you use on a daily basis? Well, so I live in New York City, and so I've been obsessed with Dark Sky lately because, you know, walking is my primary mode of transportation, uh -huh. and having a super accurate next hour weather app. I make a lot of decisions around it. So I've been uh, obsessed. Yeah. That's, that's a good one. That's a good one for sure. Mm -hmm. And where can people find or follow you? So I am on Twitter at one of the guys. Guy is my last name, G-H-A-I. I'm also on LinkedIn. I don't have a blog. But if I did, it wouldn't be that interesting. <laughs> Fair enough. Sandy, it's been a pleasure having you up on the episode today. I, I've really enjoyed our chat. I hope you'll come back and see us again sometime. Awesome. Thank you so much. I appreciate it. Navigating the Datascape.